Oh, welcome to Fine Rambles, number 159. All right, I think we've been trained in two very destructive or, <laughs> or self-destructive behaviors in the last year. And the first is just to be passive. You know, just to stay at home, huddled in fear, while we wait for, for the cavalry to arrive, while we wait for the for the white knight <laughs> of the pharmaceutical industry to arrive instead of being active, instead of finding ways to make ourselves less susceptible to disease, to infection, okay? And the second thing is that we seem to have been trained to expect a simple solution, what I call just give me a pill syndrome. Instead of understanding that pills or simplified solutions in general, well, they're reductionist. They take the, the infinite complexity of reality, which we don't fully understand, which we cannot fully model, which we cannot fully reduce from a territory to a map, and we say, screw it, I just want the pill rather than trying to understand reality itself, or at least act in alignment with reality. Now, I think a very good counter-argument to these two beliefs is vitamin D. And I've been doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of work on vitamin D, and I thought I would just take this opportunity to go into it to the extent that I can, okay? And I think I'm going to do this in three parts. The first part is just going to be a very quick overview of what I've learned at a mechanistic level as how vitamin D works. And then I think the second part of what I'm going to do is talk about the impact of those mechanisms, like what is vitamin D actually good for? And the third part will just be what we can do to at least in this area, in this one little tiny area of vitamin D, to be proactive, to do what we can do for ourselves. So the first part is just what's vitamin D? You have something in your skin that's called 7-dehydrocholesterol. It's a form of cholesterol, and you expose this to UVB radiation from the sun, basically. And it's around, you know, 296 nanometer wavelength. Now, the result of the UVB hitting this cholesterol in your skin is something called D3 cholecalciferol, okay? And that protects the endothelial lining of your arteries, which, you know, reduces cardiovascular disease. But then it also goes to the liver. And over the course of about a week, there's an enzyme in the liver called 25-hydroxylase that converts this cholecalciferol into something called 25-hydroxyvitamin D, okay? Or just 25-hydroxy. And this is what blood tests measure, okay, both bound to a carrier protein or albumin and, and unbound. Now, the good news is there's an enzyme called CYP2241, <laughs> which eliminates excess 25-hydroxy. So it's very hard to overdose, okay? It's very hard to overdose on vitamin D. You'd have to get over 150 nanograms per milliliter to have any risk of hypercalcemia, okay? And this is the idea that vitamin D may bring too much calcium into your bloodstream where it might, you know, cause plaques and, you know, be bad for the endothelial lining. 
And the other point is that 25-hydroxy has a half-life of about a month, right? So if you get no vitamin D for two months straight, for example, in the winter, well, your vitamin D levels are going to drop 75%. Okay, so this is one reason that people catch more colds in the winter. Winter is a time when your vitamin D levels are way down. Now, you can't actually use 25-hydroxy. You've got to convert it into 1,25-hydroxy so it can bind to the vitamin D receptors in your body, the VDRs. And there's two ways this happens. The first, more traditionally understood way, is that kidneys convert the 25 to 1,25 using an enzyme called, well, 1-hydroxylase, <laughs> okay? And, and the 1,25-hydroxy that is produced by the kidneys circulates in the blood as an endocrine hormone to create calcium homeostasis. Okay, what does that mean? Well, all right, I'm not an expert in this stuff, but the general idea is that the endocrine system is a feedback loop in the body where hormones are released by, by an organ or a gland into the bloodstream and that they regulate other organs in the body. So, so you release the hormone, it goes out on this loop, it solves problems in distant organs or glands, and then it returns via the bloodstream. This is the traditional way that we thought about vitamin D, that it prevents rickets by going out and creating the correct level of calcium in the bloodstream. Now to do this, to prevent rickets by creating calcium homeostasis in the blood, you only need a very little amount of vitamin D, about 10 nanograms per milliliter, okay? But, 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 this is only about one-sixth of all the 25-hydroxy in the body, right? The other five-sixths is used somewhere else. What happens is immune cells convert 25-hydroxy to 1,25-hydroxy in the autocrine system. And this just means within the cell, right? So if the endocrine system was between cells, you know, this loop in the human body, the autocrine system is something happening just within the same cell. Now here's the rub. If you want your white blood cells, specifically the macrophages, to fully produce 1,25-hydroxy, you need 60 nanograms per milliliter of circulating 25-hydroxy. And remember, that's what the blood test indicates. And the good news is that once you're at 60, you're fully protected. You really can't increase that level of 1,25-hydroxy production in the immune system. You could take your vitamin D to absurd levels, but you wouldn't actually have the ability to produce any more of the 1,25, okay? But you do need 60 nanograms per milliliter to fully upregulate CD4 production. And CD4 is a helper cell in the immune system that signals the CD8 killer cells and the NK, okay? And those are the natural killer cells, <laughs> which I think is just a fantastic name. Now, for example, HIV. What does HIV actually do to the body? It's a virus that destroys the CD4 cells. Okay, so what HIV destroys, vitamin D produces. Okay, let's keep going. 125-hydroxy attaches to the vitamin D receptors and produces something called CAMP, which is catholicidin antimicrobial peptides. And it's produced in the macrophages and the leukocytes, which are both types of white blood cells. Okay, so the way to think about this 
is that phagocyte white blood cells eat invading pathogens and camp, right, this catholicitin antimicrobial peptide dissolves invading pathogens. It, it destroys the lipoprotein membrane of microbes. They did a study and they found that if you have end-stage renal disease, which is basically the end result of diabetes and it's fatal within a couple years, if you have end-stage renal disease and you have a lot of this camp, that you're 3.7 times more likely to survive one year of kidney dialysis. Now, they've also done studies that show that low vitamin D correlates, you know, not causes, but correlates to worse outcomes in tuberculosis, in COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, worse outcomes in CKD, which is chronic kidney disease, worse outcomes in sepsis, worse outcomes in IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, worse outcomes in Crohn's. Okay, let's keep going. If you have your autocrine system turned on correctly, again, which means 60 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D, well, that autocrine system is going to do the correct signaling. And what that means is it's going to switch the Th1 lymphocyte from producing pro-inflammatory cytokines to producing anti-inflammatory cytokines, okay? Now, the pro-inflammatory cytokines are known as IFNY, and the anti-inflammatory are IL-10, I guess, just in case you want to know. Now, we've been introduced to this Th1 lymphocyte before because this is the same thing as the CD4 helper cells we were talking about earlier. And this is very important, okay, because if you have too little vitamin D, your autocrine system doesn't tell your lymphocytes to stop producing pro-inflammatory cytokines, okay? It just keeps producing them. You need vitamin D to get your autocrine system to turn off the pro-inflammatory cytokines and to turn on the anti-inflammatory cytokines. And what happens if you just keep producing pro-inflammatory cytokines, okay? You get a cytokine storm. You have a malfunctioning immune system, and this is what is causing the damage from SARS-CoV-2, okay? This is the result. You get inflammation in the lungs. You get damaged endothelial cells, damaged alveoli cells. The result is hypercoagulability, blood clots, hypoxia, organ starvation, and death, okay? Again, I have to say this again. Severe cases of SARS-CoV-2, known as COVID-19, are caused by a deranged immune system that is caused by a lack of vitamin D. If you don't have enough vitamin D, your autocrine system, your, your immune system, can't get its lymphocytes to stop making IFNY and start making IL-10. As a side note, going back to the idea of being proactive, something else that helps IL-10 production, something else that helps this anti-inflammatory cytokine production is exercise. 125-hydroxy also downregulates expression of the ACE2 receptor, okay? And again, for those who don't know, the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 attacks the cell at the ACE2 receptor. So if you have enough 125-hydroxy, it's harder for the spike protein to attach to your cells. 
Huh, okay, we're almost done with mechanism. I just want to review very quickly because the amazing thing here is how many different routes vitamin D takes to protect you. The first thing it does is it helps produce white blood cells and camp in your autocrine system. Second, it helps to turn on white blood cells in the endocrine system. Third, it helps to protect the ACE2 receptors. And then fourth, and I think most importantly, it does this regulation of the Th1 helper cells, the CD4 cells, and it turns them from pro-inflammatory to anti-inflammatory. All right, I'm going to move a little faster now. The evidence that vitamin D reduces the risk of melanoma is increasing. Okay, so they did a study, well, they've done several, but here's one, where, quote, there was a statistically significant difference in the median levels of serum vitamin D, which is the 25-hydroxy, between melanoma patients and healthy controls. And what they showed was, after you controlled for age, sex, and BMI, that there was a statistically significant inverse association between melanoma and vitamin D sufficiency versus deficiency, where your odds ratio was 0.04, right? So your risk of getting melanoma if you were vitamin D sufficient were only 4% of the risk if you had a vitamin D deficiency. And the p-value here was under 0.001, which, which is pretty good. Vitamin D and cardiovascular disease. Okay, the sun not only creates vitamin D, which helps to protect the endothelial lining, it creates nitric oxide, which, along with vitamin D, helps to protect the endothelial lining. In this case, specifically as a vasodilator. And, and they've shown that a lack of nitric oxide is an early sign of atherosclerosis of atherosclerosis. I can never say that. Atherosclerosis. Okay, a third mechanism. Vitamin D also counteracts the oxidase that produces reactive oxygen species, you know, ROS, free radicals, I think they used to be called, and these ROS reduce nitric oxide. A fourth mechanism is that vitamin D also suppresses nf KB signaling. And it's that signaling that produces IL-6, interleukin-6, which is a pro-inflammatory cytokine. Okay, so it does four different things to help prevent cardiovascular disease just in your arteries. Let's do breast cancer. Okay, quote, in a randomized controlled trial performed by LAP and colleagues, 1,179 cancer-free women receiving 1,100 units a day of vitamin D3, again, that's a very low level, experienced a 77% lower risk from all cancers, including breast cancer, over a three-year period. Second study, in a Reinmark study, Women with 25 hydroxy concentration above 34 nanograms per milliliter had a 48% lower estimated risk compared with women who had less than 24 nanograms per milliliter. Third, in a study performed by Abbas et al., there was a 50% lower risk of breast cancer in women in the highest quartile of serum 25 hydroxy compared with the lowest quartile. Again, the P was 0.001, which is very low. This was not P hacking. Finally, they did some actual analysis of human breast cancer cell cultures, and they found that 1,25-hydroxy-induced apoptosis. Okay, what lowers your levels of vitamin D? Two main things. First, smoking, and second, obesity, because adipose tissue functions as a vitamin D sink, which makes it unavailable to the body. Okay, third part, what's the best way to get vitamin D? 
The answer is the sun. Okay, I keep coming back to this. The natural complex solution is better than the artificial simplified solution. In the winter, if you can't get vitamin D from the sun, take a pill, but realize that is not going to be as effective or or as natural a solution. And if you get sun, get it at the height of the day, usually between 11 and 2 p.m., and just don't burn. Listen to the feedback of your body. The burn is there to tell you to stop. Now, I covered a lot of ground. If you have questions, please let me know. If you have information that contradicts or adds to what I've said, please let me know. That's all I've got this week. I'll catch you later.